you know, I was having a good week, guys. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. but then uh, the Cowboys had to steal my joy mm. with the stupidity and incompetency of the quarterback who runs a quarterback draw down the middle. 14 seconds left, no timeouts. Come on, man. Hey, bro, bro, he had an opening. Oh, <laughs> the opening was planned, man. They would give him all those yards. He yeah. ran out the clock in a playoff game, man. Yeah. Just cue the music. I don't watch football. I don't. Yeah, clearly. I don't. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Welcome to Pop Cultural Quintessentials with Cubed. I am Ruben Kiros. I am one third of Cubed, and I am being joined by Jonathan and Hakebo. Oh, I'm you... supposed to. I'm supposed to introduce no, myself. No, I, I introduce you now. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan is joining us from Nashville, feel? Tennessee. Back to school, I, JQ. How got, is it going over there? Uh, all right. I suppose you know I'm hanging in there. Taking my medication of a lot. <laughs> yeah, I started up work again, um, and then my classes start up again on Monday. Uh, Jacob, how'd your week go? How did my week go? Yeah. Um, it was a little stressful at times, but I think it went okay. All right, guys. <laughs> um, I don't know I don't know what else to say to that. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> high school is a stressful time, man. You'll get through it. One semester left. You'll, never get, you'll, you'll get through it, but the scars will never heal. Yeah. Um, and then there's more scars to be made through college and adulthood. Yeah. Life is fun, dude. Life is rough, man. Uh-huh. It's almost like we reach out to the these the, these these uh, quote unquote pop cultural quintessentials for for a release. You know what I mean? It is of what it what is. The, this gives us this gives us zen. This gives us release. We get to enjoy life. You yeah. know. It's not like the Givers release where, you know, they kill you. Ruben, spoilers for the Giver. We have eighth graders listening that are talking about <laughs> Exactly. They gotta, they're they're Lo- reading it, man. Come on. Lois Lowry's classic, The Giver? We should do a, we should do book reviews. No. That's coming up next. If we you make re- me watch the Jeff Bridges film, I will probably never forgive you, JQ. I, I watched Ruben, that, you know. I you did? After we read the uh, book, I watched the movie. How bad is it? I've never watched it. It's not great. <laughs> is no, Jeff Bridges good? Jeff Bridges is good, of okay. course. He's Jeff Bridges. No, I, there, there's no way. That man must have phoned that in. I'm not well, you might. I don't know, Jonathan. That was, I, I'm, I'm telling you about what, a movie I watched eight, four years ago. Like, literally. Ruben, Ruben, That's a, Ruben, but I I'm, mentally cast Jeff Bridges when I read the book and I saw the cover of the book. I'm like, oh, this is like, Jeff Bridges could play this role. So, dude mm. always, lo- I don't know why, I looked at that cover as a kid and thought it was Karl Marx for at least a good like, solid <laughs> month or two. <laughs> to be real, it does give that vibe. All right, so to Maybe start off the show, we're going to run through some news items from this week, and then we are going to give reviews of what we've been watching lately. And yeah. hopefully you guys will jump on that and watch what we watch because it's spoiler alert really good stuff or if you have already watched it you can just enjoy our crap that we have to say there we go yeah yeah you can enjoy the nonsense that three random hispanics on the internet uh have to say about you know some of today's more popular creative output i guess all right so first up, uh, we got some new updates on the Ardman animation and Netflix partnership. 
Uh, first off, we got an update on the second Chicken Run movie, which is now titled Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget. That's so stupid. Uh, with <laughs> <laughs> the movie, is, all right, reading the plot synopsis that Netflix provided, it, it is uh, set shortly after the escape from the Tweety Farm in the original film. Um, it sees Ginger having finally found her dream, an island sanctuary for the flock, far from the human world's dangers. And then they have a kid, uh, Rocky and her, yeah. called uh, Molly, and they think life is complete. But then they have to go back to the mainland and break back in, putting their own freedom Wait, at why? risk. Why? Why? It doesn't say why. <laughs> It's a synopsis. It's not going to give I, you the I, entire plot. I, have, no, I, I can tell you why. I can tell you why. It's because Mel Gibson uh, Rooster says something unsavory about the Jewish people in the island, and then they have to flee. Funny that you mentioned oh, Mel Gibson. God. Mel Gibson was not asked to come back for this film. I wonder why. Could it why? be the anti? Could it be the anti-Semitism? I. <laughs> Zachary Levi is playing Rocky in this. Uh... <laughs> Isn't that guy Jewish? Yeah. Oh, that's wow! Stab him in the back like that. Go Zach! Go Zach! And Ginger's original actress is also not coming back. With Thoughty Newton uh, replacing Julia Swalla as Ginger in this film. Can I? Um, can I admit something to you guys? Yeah. I still haven't seen the original Chicken I Run. I thought you had! Chicken no. Run's good, man. No. Every time I have, like, a little bit of time, I forget that I haven't watched it. James gets on me about it because he's British as hell over there eating beans on toast and shit. All right? All right. I still haven't seen it. Ruben, you've talked to me about it. I, w I went downstairs to the basement while Jacob was watching it back when I was, like, in high school still, and I only ca caught like the end of it because I was like practicing trumpet or something. But I, I the need original to go and see it now. It's I mean Jacob can also talk about it a bit, but it's basically just a throw up at the Great Escape, which I haven't That's watched. Like, I haven't it. watched that either. But but it's yeah. like a parody of it, and it's done really well. It's and the so animations cool. jaw dropping. The things they did with stop motion yeah, how, animation. How long ago did that movie come on? Ninety late nineties. So it's been it's, like it's, it's insane. Yeah, it's insane to what me, they did. To me, nothing will be as impressive in Ardman's stop motion catalog as like the train chase scene from The Wrong Trousers, though. Like, dude. I oh, think Wallace yeah. and Gromit is their uh, bread and butter, you know, so to speak. Which we, which? Speaking of which, we got an announcement. I am hyped about this of a new Wallace and Gromit short film. Um, the release date is 2024, which would be 24 years since their last uh, little short, A Matter of Loaf and Death, which I didn't think was as good as the rest of their output. Wait, how many years? 24. I think. No, wait. I think I did that math wrong. 16. 16 years. Okay. Jesus Christ. I thought, I am sorry. I screwed up. 16 ah. years. 16 years since their last short. Dude, that's almost like You gave me a heart attack, right there, right dude. Um, Nick I was Park... like, no, 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 no. I am only 21, all right? <laughs> now, Nick Park's back to direct this one. Um, it'll stream on Netflix, and in the UK, it'll air on the BBC. Mm. Um, the story, we got a little synopsis for this one as well. Um, the story is Gromit having a growing concern that Wallace has become over-dependent on his inventions, uh, justified when he invents a smart gnome that seems to develop a mind of its own. As events spiral out of control, it falls to Gromit, you know, as usual, to put yeah, aside his qualms and battle sinister forces, or Wallace may never live to invent again. 
Um, the voice cast has not been announced yet. I know they have. I think it's Ben Wallace who does the voice of Wallace now, uh, ironically. Um, but this will be the first. This will be the first film without Peter Salas. So yeah, it'll be tough to fill in those shoes. I don't know. I this could either end up being really good and on the level of the originals. It could be like a cheap carbon copy. Mm. Um, but I love Wallace and Gromit as I characters. Think... I think the animation is going to be top notch. I don't think Ardman has ever kind of yeah. let us down animation wise. Um, I am I, that was my first concern while when reading the notes that you sent us before the podcast and seeing Wallace and Gromit there was obviously like, well, we lost Peter Salas. So, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to imagine anyone else voicing Wallace. Yeah. But I mean, which we'll is see probably how... why they waited so long to. I think that is the reason they waited so long. Because, I mean, Matter of Loaf and Death came out in, like, 2009. 2008. 2008. 2008. 2008. Yeah, and they were thinking of doing something else, I think. But then Peter Salas died around, like, the mid-2010s, late-2010s. Now, they have done commercials with a new voice actor, so it's yeah. not like this voice actor would be... I think it's Ben Wallace, but I'm not 100% yeah. sure. But um, it's not like this voice actor would be completely new to the character, so you have that going for it. Yeah. But still, but I mean, it's... he's only... He's only worked in... Stim- I've heard him once. I've heard this new voice actor once because we watched that one Ardman documentary that was on Netflix for yes. a day, I think. Yeah. It might still be there. Yeah, I think um, it is. Because, yeah. of that partner- because of that partnership. But yeah, they had like these little like um, bumps in between like like segments where you'd go back to Wallace and Gromit. And, I mean, the voice is fine, but like that's in... Ch- I'm getting that in chunks. Like we're talking like... Not not feature length, honestly, obviously, but like a twenty minute short is what I'm assuming, which is like like probably like minutes. closer to thirty, probably. Yeah, twenty to thirty minutes. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see uh, how how his chops hold up. We'll Mentioning that documentary real quick because it's really good, and I want to recommend it to the listeners. A Grand Night in the Story of Ardman, highly recommended because Ardman is one of the best animation studios out there, and it's really interesting. And it gives a really unique perspective because, you know, most other studios like Pixar, Illumination, they're doing stuff with computers, 3D animation. This is a unique animation yeah. style that most people aren't using anymore. You yeah, have would appreciate and Laika. as well. Laika's yeah. doing it. Yeah. But, yeah, it gives you a really interesting perspective of the work that they put into this stuff and the love they have for this craft. Yeah. Highly recommended. Um, okay. So moving on to the next story, uh, we have a couple release date changes and announcements, I guess. Uh, first off, Knives Out 2 confirmed for 2022 this year. Oh, wow. um, film is going to get a run at festivals and release in theaters and streaming in the last quarter of this year. Um, I am excited to see uh, what Ryan Johnson does with this. I wonder Probably if he's going to throw up the mystery genre more, yeah. what conventions he'll break. Um. Yeah, the first one was really unique. I wonder if he can find a new slant to it, because it seems like he already like lambasted a bunch of the tropes in the first one. I don't know what's left to do, but it's a top-notch cast uh, led by Daniel Craig. Also has Catherine uh, Hahn in there. Um, but yeah, I'm did excited they, to did see. Did they bring any of the actors from the first one? Just Daniel Craig. Just so Daniel Craig. Yeah, okay. same thing as like an Agatha Christie novel yeah, where yeah. it's just a detective going on to his next mystery. Like, anyway, uh, you guys, thoughts on Knives Out 2 coming out this year? Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really curious. Say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really, I'm really curious just to, to, to see like what they do 
with the movie. Um, you know, since uh, they already like they gave a story, they already like tied up loose ends and stuff like that. Uh, so and then you know, like you were saying, like uh, how like Ryan Johnson really likes to you know subvert expectations or mess with genres and stuff like that. And uh, he's already done a lot in the first movie, so it's I'm curious to see what they do next to him. JQ. Uh, okay, predictions. They're going to kill Daniel Craig off in the first 20 minutes, introduce a new detective. That's going to be the spin mm. on this one, all right? Oh, it's there's no a longer... third one still. That's that's it, the third it, one, baby. It's no it's no longer a mystery. <laughs> it is now a comedy movie, all right? We, yeah. cast, we cast John Leguizamo and Johnny Depp as the new detectives, okay? There we go. That's my, <laughs> that's my pitch. That's my pitch to Ryan, all right? If he hasn't started filming, which he probably has... <laughs> If, uh, it, if, it, if it's, it's coming out this late, year, man, shut up. Look, okay, look, look, look. Double time, Ryan. All right, all right. Kill <laughs> off Daniel Craig's character. All right. <laughs> but in all honesty, though, I am really, I am really excited about this. Um, I really could, enjoyed could, uh, that first movie. They could kill off. They could, uh, they could kill off Daniel Craig and then uh, add in Kenneth Branagh. Make it. Oh my God! Because Kenneth travels to the present. <laughs> That'd be so funny. <laughs> that would be absolutely. <laughs> at the end of the new, uh, oh, because they're also making a, a like a like a like a continuation. Not continuation. Well, they they made it. It's, it's that movie's been Death of the Nile, a sequel to the Murder on the Orient Express. That thing's been yeah. made for like two years, but the pandemic know, has delayed it. Yeah, yeah. a couple. Yeah. So what I'm saying? Watch? Did you watch that, Jonathan? The like Death on the Orient Express. Yeah. Murder on the No, because I wanted to read the book version. I, I oh, watched okay. the, yeah. the first bit of it. I should have finished watching it. I should have I just finished watching it. No, but like, okay, so here's what here's my plan then. We we have end of Death of the Nile, alright? Yeah. Alright. Post credit scene. Post credit scene, alright. Uh Hercule Perot is sitting, enjoying his his uh his iconic uh iconic boiled eggs as usual, you know, perfectly <laughs> level, perfectly level, iconic boiled eggs, all right? Pretty and a port a portal opens up. And, and Kentucky and uh and uh, we have Daniel Craig walk in and he's like, I suspect foul play, Hercule, and he's like, Who the frick are you? And then they <laughs> they go on adventures. Time travel adventures. <laughs> amazing amazing pitch i hope they listen to you you know this is the crossover we need yeah, it's the, yeah it's okay. The... okay you want to maximize you want to optimize uh income hollywood <laughs> get on it it's mystery. the no way home of uh yeah. of mystery films exactly i want a, de- I want a detective cinematic universe all right Benedict i want batches sherlock yeah. robert downey jr sherlock Henry Cavill, Sherlock, along with uh, freaking what's her name from Stranger Things? Millie Bobby right? Brown's Anola uh, Holmes. Yeah, there you but go. Just bring all the Holmes as well. You just bring, bring in Ian McKellen's Mr. Holmes. I just want like fifty <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. F it, F it. Bring in Larry the Cucumber from the freaking. <laughs> <laughs> from the there was a de- special. Yes, there was a detective special. There was Sherlock Holmes. He was solving. I, I can't remember something about French peas and maggoty bread. I don't freaking whatever. <laughs> Bring them all in. All right. This all is right. what we need. <laughs> all right. And then sadder uh, release date news. Um, so Knives Out is coming out this year, but we just found out 
the Mission Impossible movies have been delayed once again. Damn it, dude. Mission Impossible 7, which was originally supposed to come out, listen to this track, July 2020, then delayed to December 2020, delayed to November 2021, then delayed to May 2022, then delayed to September 2022, and yesterday um, delayed to July 14th, 2023, three years after its original release date. <laughs> um, and then Mission Impossible 8 was also delayed a year from July 7th, 2023 to June 28th, 2024. Well, you know you know why that is, right? Pandemic? No, it's because they're still trying to logistically talk Tom Cruise down from having an, on, an actual <laughs> on-screen death. Like actually dying on. No, the but air. every year they delay it, it's just like <laughs> the probability of him dying on set is going up. He's That's gonna... what he wants. That's what he wants. The fact that this man's gonna be in his sixties and doing some of these stunts is insane. Um, first off, do we think is it'll be too long between films at this point, or do you think? audience enthusiasm will still be there for this franchise uh, i think it'll still um, be there i don't know that's hard fallout was really really good it was so, it's like, great that's, it's one, good. Of, that's yeah. one of the best western action films to come out in a while um yeah i'm sorry uh, hollywood action films i should specify because if i say western that maybe that maybe it's too broad yeah someone's yeah. gonna come in here and be like oh but da, ba, 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 and, you know, and well, that's your opinion though you can have your I, I do think that when uh mission impossible 7 comes out and if it's like a good movie then like the hype you know will come back again because like it's only a year between seven and eight it's supposed so, to be like a two-parter yeah exactly so i my sneaking suspicion with this is this is this will be ethan hunt's swan song as the lead not necessarily yeah. that he dies, but they'll pass it on to someone else. They'll be like, yo, um, kill kill me on screen. Kill me on screen, dude. Literally stab me in the heart. We have one shot. We have one shot at this. God damn it, Jonathan. God damn it, Jonathan. They are going to kill Tom Cruise on screen. They're going to do it. They're not going to do that. No, no, no. going to space, bro? What happened to the space thing? No, no, that's a different thing. That's a different movie. That's not Mission Impossible. They are building a studio in space to film that, by the way. What's the name of the movie? I don't think it has a name. but It's called F-World Hunger. And Billionaire Space Race continues, baby. Let's go. Wow. All right, next up, uh, Legendary's MonsterVerse, which includes the Titans Godzilla Kong, is expanding to streaming. What? Um, yes, it was announced that Legendary has made a partnership with Apple TV oh, Plus God. to make a new series set in the MonsterVerse, um, which is interesting. Um, and is the, interesting. the plot of the show, or the premise of the show, um, is after the 2014 battle between Godzilla and the Titans in San Francisco that leveled the city, um, the shocking new reality that monsters are real, the untitled series explores one family's journey to uncover the buried secrets that it contains and a legacy that links them to Monarch. Yeah. Mm. Your thoughts on them expanding God, uh, the Godzilla franchise to television? I feel like that's a, that, 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 that might be a bit of a problem if they yeah. don't have a big enough yeah. budget. If they don't have a big enough budget. Because <laughs> we're going to have to show, like, the... They're going to show the feet of the monster and not, like, the full yeah. monsters no, themselves. okay, some... because these movies, the good part of these movies is the action and the special effect. Oh. Ain't nobody going to Godzilla vs. Kong to watch <laughs> Brian Tyrese, whatever the hell his name is. Brian Tyree about... Henry. Yeah, I yeah. love him. I love yes. him. All right, love him in Atlanta. 
However, no one went to that movie to hear about that man's freaking conspiracy theories, talking about the elites and shit, all right? No one gave a shit about Billy Bobby Brown. No one gave a shit about the kid from Deadpool and Hunt from the Wilder People, all right? All right, it was all about the fact that Monkey was punching Gorilla in face. <laughs> you said Monkey punching Gorilla. Got- monkey <laughs> punching lizard, lizard in face. There you go. Okay, <laughs> and if Monkey punching lizard in face looks like a PS1 cutscene, I'm out. Right? <laughs> my guess, here's my unfortunate guess about this show. The monsters will only show up in the last 30 minutes of the last episode of however long this series then it's is. it's gonna be a bad series. I'm not... <laughs> Jacob, your thoughts on All I'm this? saying is that if it's anything like that one CW scene from, like, that DC show with the... <laughs> with, like, the... the, the oh, gigantic... Gorilla Grodd? No, 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 not that. No, no, not the Gorilla Grodd thing. Like, the, oh, the, the giant, yeah, like, toy thing? The, or, yeah, the giant doll yeah. and, like... I was about to say, I'm glad you made that more specific because I'm like, when you said CW show scene with bad CGI, do you know how little that is about? That's like a good three quarters of their output is just bad CGI. But what I'm no, saying is, like, if it's bad, it could still be, like, funny, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it looks bad. If it looks bad. And like, I think it could be one of those so bad it's good things yeah. where it's, like, not intentionally, but, like, they're, they're trying their best. But, honestly, I think Apple's going to invest a ton of money in this shit to grow their streaming service, so I think it'll be good. Yeah. I think, no, here's my thing, though. Here's my thing. When we're working with spectacle movies, all right, like, like kaiju movies, yeah. I feel like that is better kept to the big screen where you have, I mean, not only more money, but better like Dolby Atmos sound, all right? That is a massive part of the enjoyment of a monster movie. And also like just the, the big screen too, because we're talking about the, the the conveying the size of these monsters. There's only so much you can do with sound design yeah. and like soundtrack to like convey the size of Godzilla like at home. Like, I think it, it's a movie theater experience. I, I think I agree with that. you. Those films are best in theaters, but I think part of the reason why this streaming show came out is probably the performance Godzilla versus Kong had on HBO Max last year. It must have done good numbers if they moved forward with this. Yeah, I mean that's true. Um, but I, I agree. I don't think it'll, it'll. I don't think it'll be as good as a movie. But I think they can make it entertaining enough. Um, I think I might check it out when it comes out. You know, when you first wrote MonsterVerse down here in the notes, my assumption was that you were talking about the Dark Universe. Yeah, and I yeah. Was like, I was thinking that too. That thing's dead, like, man. It's a mummy. Bruh, and... bruh. No, but I thought you were going to be like, they're making a last ditch effort to revive it. Like, oh my God. I was actually crossing my fingers for that, bro. I wanted to, yeah. I wanted to see them succeed. The funniest logo in movie history is the opening of The Mummy where they have the Dark Universe logo. <laughs> And they Ridiculous. never saw it again. Did they go from the Universal or uh, to that yeah. logo? Universal yeah. logo to the... Yeah, and it was yeah. crazy. They were going to have Johnny Depp play the Invisible Man, Javier Bardem <laughs> play uh, Frankenstein's monster. I don't remember. Was it Angelina Jolie as Frankenstein's bride? Yeah. Like, yeah. And then Russell Crowe as, Crow as Dr. Jekyll. And then, like, in the most shocking crossover event ever, they were they were bringing back Adam Sandler to reprise his role as Dracula. <laughs> Blah, like, blah, blah, blah. I, I couldn't believe it. Ah, Jonathan, you are banging my daughter. Stop. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> Moving on to the next news yeah, story yeah. here. 
Man, you guys aren't giving me good segues. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, sorry. what I'm are sorry. you talking about? I have given you marvelous segues, all right? You can call me the Dark Knight of segues. There you go. There's a free one. Continue. All right. All right. So it was rumored during the last week, but it got confirmed by Variety and The Hollywood Reporter. The Batman's runtime is a staggering two hours, 55 minutes. The movie itself is two hours, 47 minutes with eight minutes of credits. Now, runtime does not tell you that a movie will be good and bad. We, we all know this. But what this does tell you is they let Matt Reeves do whatever the hell he wanted with this. And judging by the trailers, we're in for something special, I think. Guys, your I, thoughts. I'm not trying to have an end credit scene <laughs> in this movie. Because I, I, I'm trying to, you know, three hours in the theater. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to get out at uh two hours and forty eight minutes or something like two hours and forty seven minutes with the, with the trailers you might be in there for three hours already. <laughs> yeah, I know that's true. <laughs> but we usually like, skip the trailers. You know, we we come a little late and then yeah, there you go. And like the movie starts immediately. So, <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry. This I mean, they put they, they put they put that shit online like a few days after anyway. You know how many? It's so easy. Look up. Look up Spider-Man No Way Home end credit scene right now. You will get it immediately. Mm. Mostly because, uh, you know, it was also a, a trailer, trailer. release. But anyway, <laughs> regardless, uh, I I can I am uh, I'm very excited about this news. Uh, I wanted the longest possible Matt Reeves Batman movie ever because I mean, if this thing, which I know it's gonna perform well, and I know we're probably gonna get sequels. But I just want to see the extent of what this guy's got for this character, because, like, God, dude. Yeah. I don't know if y'all have been following Matt Reeves the same way oh, that yeah. we've been following Matt Reeves here among the three of us. But, like, uh, for us anyway, like, the big thing was uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for mm. the Planet of the Apes. Yep. He took – those movies have no right. Being as masterfully made as yeah. they are, because yeah. because if you watch the first movie, which he didn't make, it's like okay, this is pretty good. This is good. I can get into this massive turnaround by that second movie. Yes, insane turnaround. The first movie still feels like a blockbuster that like has a complex character. By the time Matt Reeves got his hands on this franchise, he made films that feel like art house dramas, but still had the bo- uh, blockbuster uh, spectacle attached to it. It was like a great tightrope that he yeah. walked with those yeah. films. Those films are great. We'll underrated. probably review them at some Underrated, dude. So underrated. They're underrated. Yeah, I agree. No, no one talks about those movies. I'm like, like when I mentioned them like a few years ago, or it might have been like, yeah, yeah, to like a few of my classmates, like after watching War for the Planet of the Apes or whatever, like no one had watched it. No one went to the theaters to watch it. They weren't planning to watch it with their family or anything like that. It's just like so disappointing too, because it's just such a great movie. It's very well done. The cinematography in those movies is also top-notch. And if the trailers are any indication of the cinematography in this Batman movie, oh, it's going to be phenomenal. It's, a it's Greg, be phenomenal. Yeah, cinematographer for this one's Greg Fraser. Uh, he did Dune recently. He also did Rogue One. Um, so I am very hyped to see what he does Let's with this. Cool. Let's go. All right. And our final news story is the Moon Knight trailer. Uh, but before we mention it, I want to briefly mention and acknowledge um, that one of the actors attached to the show passed away this week mm-hmm. in a skiing accident. Uh, Gaspard Ulie. Um, I hope I said that right. At the age of 37. At the age of 37. Um, he was a Caesar winning actor, uh, very famous in French uh, TV. 
and movies. He had a couple English uh, speaking roles, but this was going to be his big break and just acknowledge the tragedy that happened there. And, yeah. you know, What's sending our love movie? to his loved ones who are going through a difficult time here. What's that? No. Which which character was it gonna play? Um, I, I think one of the English. one of the antagonists. Um, but he did film for this, so this will still come yeah. out with him in it. Um, yeah. But getting to the Moon Knight trailer, I really liked the ambiance that this thing builds. It's very unique compared to other Marvel stuff. I am still worried because it's in the MCU. It is TV fourteen, not TVMA. So I don't know how far they're gonna push the boundaries. But Oscar Isaacs looks really good in here, playing this individual with a fractured psyche. Uh, JQ, I can hear you. What? I can hear you. Whatever you're doing over there. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, uh, <laughs> I was uh, adjusting the uh, adjusting the camera lay the, the camera. Lane. <laughs> Brilliant. But the, the <laughs> Oscar podcast. <laughs> Oscar Isaacs looks really good. I like the dark aesthetic of the character itself, the complexity. I hope they handle the mental health aspect right in this, mm -hmm. or I'm gonna have a field day with this show. And Ethan Hawke, obviously, Ethan Hawke always looks great with in whatever he's in, playing this uh, cult I leader. Think, I think they've already confirmed that Mark does, or Steven does have uh, DID. DID is a controversial uh, diagnosis in the psychology community. There's debate about whether or not it exists at all. Um, and the portrayals of it in film and TV are commonly criticized for being inaccurate and exaggerated reality because um, they take it to an extreme uh, split where it doesn't actually happen. <laughs> um, it's still um, so, a good movie. It's still a good movie. Oh, Split's a good movie. I, a I, movie. I completely agree. But I am very interested to see how they handle Mark Spector and his multiple personalities. Um I am also interested in how the Egyptian mythology will play into this show, if they'll capture that visually at all. Yeah. Um, Jacob, your or, thoughts or on Or even his, in his origin. Like, I'm not sure whether or not they're going to do an origin story for this uh, show. So that's going to be interesting to see if, like, if they decide to just, like, have him be an established character, you know, and then, like, run with it. Or if they're going to, like you know, make him go through some, I don't know, some trauma or something that like, uh, then like gives him the impetus, uh, gives, yeah, it gives a, an impetus for him to become Moon Knight or whatever. And also like, uh, it's, my question is whether or not Moon Knight is going to be like a character that, uh, that he like, like if his powers are imagined, you know what I'm saying? Or if he actually, or if has... actually has those powers. Yeah. And that, and that would be cool to see them experiment with, with, uh, like that idea of him not actually having powers, but believing that he has powers. What uh, they could do yeah. here that they haven't done with anything Marvel, as you're referencing, they could make yeah. it more of an unreliable narrator type thing where mm -hmm. you don't know what's going yeah. on because yeah. this guy doesn't have his complete senses, I guess. Yeah. Uh, JQ, yeah. you were wanting to say something? Oh, yeah, I was going to say with Jacob, I feel like you're talking about origin story. I feel like with dealing with like a psyche that's this fractured, it would be most uh, conducive uh, for putting the audience like in the story. If you start in media's rest, and it's just like confusion as to like what's happening at first. Yeah, so, like, it's more impactful that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how uh, Twitter reacts to this uh, TV <laughs> show because there are already people kind of being like, "I hope they represent 
DID correctly, uh, an illness that I suffer personally. It's like, all right, bud. Okay. Uh-huh. I don't know. A lot of people like faking like disorders online. For Man, the internet's just wild. Social it's media a... was a mistake. As someone, <laughs> as, as someone with actual mental health issues, like it is, it's, it's bothersome when people try to like over glorify it or like pretend to have it. Um, because, like, it's an actual, like, thing that shapes, like, the direction that your life goes and the way that you would deal with things. So, you know, it's, I'm always interested in, like, seeing how people will portray it on screen. That's so why I'm, I'm excited for this movie. I do know that Hollywood movie. in general, I'm sorry, for this TV <laughs> show, I feel like Hollywood in general has gotten better with kind of, like, displaying like mental illness depending on like the director or whatnot Mm because i know for example uh going to like a movie that came out last year um spencer about princess diana Mm -hmm. i thought i thought that was one of the best interpretations of like of like depression anxiety kind of like um manicness that i've seen like for a while in live action as someone who's also suffered from these things yeah the disorientation that they portray within that film that you're feeling in Mm -hmm. addition to that depression and anxiety i mean completely accurate like you never have your full bearings and they really captured that really well in that film i think films are just getting better at like um like uh, getting uh, like making their audiences like immerse themselves in like someone else's perspective or something like like uh that one movie uh, like I think it was like last year, two years ago, where like it's about a drummer and him like oh, sound of metal, sound, sound of metal. Yeah. yeah, I still need to watch it. Yeah, still and, need to watch and it. like many times in that movie, like you they drown out the sounds and stuff like that, so you really feel like well, it's like almost you you feel you you feel like you're in that person's head, in the main character's yeah. head a bit, you know, and then like you're you're like sensing what he's sensing, and then like lacking the senses of obviously like hearing. So like I I think they do it really well. I think. I think a byproduct of what you're talking about here, Jay, about the perspective improving is that yeah. they're actually involving people from these communities when making these films, Yeah, which yeah. you didn't used to be the case. What it was, unfortunately, is white guys researching these topics. Um, I, and I'm not trying to be disparaging because a bunch of great films. Mm-hmm. Um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, really good, uh, captures mental health pretty well. Um, so it was done well in the past, but I feel like it's improving now because you're yeah. actually involving people from these communities that have these uh, yeah. issues. Yeah. So and you're getting attempt, their perspective. And there's an attempt to kind of mix in realism with with trauma, which is what I'm hoping for this uh, for this Moon Knight uh, yes. TV show, is that I'm hoping that they, they find a good balance of like portraying like the struggles of mental health while never kind of like over glorifying it too much. Mm-hmm. I know people are still going to complain regardless of what they do. Like hearing people talking online about this already, I'm like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna stir up. See a lot, this, this, uh, the Moon Knight trailer. It looks good, but it made me miss uh, Marvel Television's branch of Netflix because I feel like this would have been. I feel like this could be good, but I feel like with that mature rating mm-hmm. on that different platform, this might have been a little bit better. This just because yeah because they could have dived in way deeper like my main concern is they're not going to dive in deep enough and they'll be they'll have the jokes and the cookie cutter mcu God. stuff which I, would I really suck for this yeah. but i guess we'll I, see they have to start letting go of that formula man they, I have, agree. To, they have to they have visually to. it does look different from other marvel stuff yeah. so that's what has me very hopeful that maybe 
they're going to pull it off. Yeah. yeah. Wait, okay. one last thing. Yes, go ahead. One last thing. Jacob. Yeah. Kid Kuri. Kid Kuri? Oh, Kid my Kuri. God. Yes, yes. <laughs> what did you think of that? I need an opinion. All right? Because I that... Because I was in it, and then I heard day and night, and I was like, ah, oh, shit. That took me out of it, yeah. Because like, took... <laughs> people said, like, oh, it's, like, one of your favorite songs. I thought it was being, like, sarcastic, and, and it actually happens to be a, a favorite song of mine. <laughs> but then, they, like, oh, my God. You know what that gives me? It gives me the same vibes as, like, those, like, some of those horror movie trailers with, like, the stupid uh, oh, they slow nursery down? rhymes. They slow down, like, nursery rhymes and stuff like that. around the world. Yeah. That's what, it, that's what it felt like. I was like, dude, this, Jacob, is, this just takes me out of it. Jacob, <laughs> you know? Don't you understand, Jacob, that the lonely the lonely stoner used to free his mind at night as at, at the night. You're looking right? at the lyrics, bro. You don't even know the lyrics. I'm not, no, I know the lyrics. Tattooed <laughs> on my forearms. All right, gents. Uh, let's move on to a discussion of what we've been watching lately. Yeah. First off, um, I wasn't going to watch this show originally. Because it didn't seem like my cup of tea, but JQ convinced me um, to give it a, a shot. Uh, Smiling Friends mm, is yeah. the name of the show. Jonathan, can you give a little background on Smiling Friends? Let's go! I'm <laughs> it, baby! Okay, so Smiling Friends is basically this TV show uh, that is made by two kind of online uh, online creators mm-hmm. uh one who is mike michael cusack who i don't know as much about i know he's a freaking collaborator with uh the other person that i, I will talk about and i know that he he's in the same kind of circles that these people operate in mm-hmm. um and then the other person is zach uh Hadel. Hadel? i don't remember how to pronounce it better known as uh psychic pebbles online um I am admittedly a very big fan of Zach's humor, of of kind of like his hypotheticals and everything. Like I watch a lot of his stuff online. Um, I like a lot of the newer stuff, a lot of like his Oni plays stuff. He does a yeah. lot of like this commentary over like Let's Plays and whatnot, which is hilarious. Um, just put that on in the background if you're ever having a bad day. That shit is hilarious. But before that, even we're talking. Zach is someone who comes from the early, early days of the internet, like the Wild West, from a little place called Newgrounds. Um, oh, dang. Wow. Yeah. I didn't yeah, know that. No. Yeah. Okay. So I, our younger viewers, <laughs> which I cannot believe I can probably say at this point in my life, probably, <laughs> probably not know what Newgrounds in, it was or is because it kind of still functions today. Um, I mainly used it to play Flash games back in the day, mm-hmm. but it was kind of this creative platform uh, that kind of it got established '99 or 2000 somewhere in there, and basically it was for people to create games or create animations and kind of share it with the world. Uh, Zach got his start out here, kind of animating back then. I'm not sure if Michael Cusack did too, but a lot of the other people who were involved with the show, uh, Chris O'Neill, Tomar. Um, Joshua Tomar, all those people have kind of had this start from early internet days. They have been trying for a while. Yeah, I was going to say. Break into the mainstream. Haven't they been pitching this show for a long time? And didn't Adult Swim pass on this show originally at one point? Well, actually, they've they've come to Adult Swim with other ideas before this. Before Mm. Smiling Friends, uh, Zach Heidel and Chris O'Neill 
had partnered up to make a show called uh, Hellbenders, I think it was what it was called. There are a few episodes, a few like mini episodes of that online. They're funny, but they they're funny, but it's definitely kind of still trying to find its voice in a, in a mainstream kind yeah. of setting. It's yep. more like random jokes, uh, random jokes kind of like littered throughout with these two characters. Not much of a plot to speak of. I find it hilarious. If you guys want to look it up online, it's I mean, literally on YouTube. To be fair, what they ended up making with Smiling Friends does not really have a plot. So to give you all, <laughs> well, a, I, I think, I think it has a basic each premise. episode it has, has a, a, a little plot. But so. it's it's like a show of growth that they've gone from kind of like this 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 just kind of like joke generator to something that has like a, a thin plot, kind of a message behind it. But you're still able to get all these crazy Zachisms in there that I have been waiting for the mainstream to see. I have been trying to force this dude's content down some of my friends' throats for a while, and I'm happy it's now more easy. Now you have a vehicle. You have a vehicle. <laughs> now I have uh, a vehicle. Yeah. So, yeah. So the show premiered on cable completely. Um, I heard Zach on a on I think it was like the official podcast with yeah, critical with and critical. his critical and his friends. They basically uh, literally said, and I quote, um, it will only be watched by a random guy in Nebraska on cable. Um, we are those random people in Nebraska who ended up watching <laughs> this on cable. Um, right, boy. <laughs> um, yeah. it, comes, it comes to HBO Max next month, so most of you should have easier access to it next Please month. Please watch it. It is so funny. Yeah, like, to, give our, to give our thoughts uh, without spoiling all the episodes, I think... Now the first the pilot episode didn't get me in because they were still trying to do something where they had a main plot and a side plot and it yeah. was the show's too to random their, to work. They were tr they're trying plots. to find their voice a bit. They're trying to find their voice, yeah. but once they like simplified it and now it's like one main plot through all each episode, mm -hmm. it works. Um, the humor, um, as someone who's never watched Psychic Pebbles or Zach's content, um, it worked for me still, and it's it throws up a bunch of different tropes on television. Um, even like I don't know life tropes, like things you see online. It, it's yeah. like parroting that the nihilism. There's an episode that spoofs <laughs> online nihilism <laughs> that has arisen yeah. with yeah. Rick and Morty, basically, um, yeah, where they encounter they encounter the frowning friends and they have this uh, existential crisis <laughs> with them. I guess is. Um, if, I, if I had a nickel for every like misused Nietzsche quote I've seen online ever since the rise of nihilism, like kind of the, a, a new rise of nihilism after Rick and Morty, I wouldn't have to work a day in my life, literally. Um, but yeah, uh, Jacob, give your quick thoughts on Smiling Friends. I don't think you have uh, yet. Dude, oh god. Um, I think like when I watched the first episode again, like when um, the whole se series or the season came out, yeah. like I was like a little skeptical about like how the rest of the sh the, the the episodes in the show were gonna be like and all that stuff. Because I mean, um, I mean the first time I watched it, I did enjoy the episode a little bit more. I might have had a, like bias because I I've, I have watched some of uh, Zach's stuff on YouTube. And um, so <laughs> I, I found it funny, uh, funnier than probably most people would. But then, um, you know, uh, as as the as we got to the other episodes, I, I think they really did find their their stride, um, especially like toward the third, fourth episode, I would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. Uh, and it, it's it's just it's just a just a fun ride, honestly. It's a fun it's a ride. Fun um, ride. It's, it's short. And, yeah, yeah. The episodes are not that long. Yeah, fifteen eight, minutes. Fifteen each. minute episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's, it's it's a quick binge. Um, yeah. 
And oh, the animation we haven't even mentioned. The animation yeah. was great. Um, the they act- do this thing. They play with the frame rate a lot mm-hmm. in this, where like rotoscoping, <laughs> rotoscoping. Yeah, um, yeah. They do some of the gumball stuff where they put different forms of animation yeah, within yeah. the show, like claymation. Yeah. So you have and... some claymation in there as well. Some live action hell. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, some live- oh, some, so, There's some really funny live action stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm just like. I'm just like very impressed because this is just like the culmination of like these these two like Michael Cusack and Zach Hadel's like animation output. After, yeah. after watching the pilot a few months ago, I looked into some of Michael Cusack's stuff because I was kind of curious. He had like this little segment on Adult Swim called like Bush World Adventures where he did like this little play off of Rick and Morty, which is actually kind of pretty funny. Um, that's funny. Everything that I've seen from Zach over the years and seeing those two art styles kind of like merge together and find this unique voice is just like, I don't know. It's very meaningful to me because like a lot of online creators today, they, they don't kind of like a lot of them like have, some of them have talent, but the vast majority are just kind of people just throwing random content to the yeah. wind. And like, they're not really trying to do anything creative. It's more like a, like an attempt to get money, but like there are still people out there like these two and like many others who yeah. are still super talented, uh, either in, in like comedy, animation, music or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they're still giving it their all. And for them to finally kind of like break out of like, the internet bubble and into kind of like the mainstream is very encouraging to see because yeah. it's still it shows that like i mean their hard work is paying off finally i mean it's, and, that's and like what youtube is yeah. all about that platform is is there for like it's like an a, a, the the second option for those types of creators you know what i mean like i've always seen it that way I mean, yeah it should be like that you know like if you don't get you don't if you if you have talent and stuff like that like you shouldn't have one person deny you like access into a whole world of, of things yeah get yourself and, out and, yeah yeah you, you gotta get yourself out there and like i'm glad that there are like things and, and you know platforms for people to do that yeah. and um it's it's just it makes me happy to see that like you know like th- in this case you know with zach like he finally got his voice out there he finally got his pro like a product of his into mainstream um, his very unique nasally voice yeah, yeah. <laughs> which really he really was a good voice actor um yeah. but if you have cable watch smiling friends if yeah. not it comes to streaming next month give these guys all the support that you can because they deserve it and the content yeah. is great mm-hmm. yeah At just just a word. I know just because not everything is at like everyone's taste. This is like comedy wise. We're talking like leaning towards absurdist. We're talking <laughs> about very hypothetical based where it's like, okay, crazy situation. What if this happened? A lot of the things, because Ruben and Jacob enjoyed this show quite a bit, but I had a deeper level of enjoyment because, because of following this person for so long and like on like their, their like creative adventures online, I could like, tell where some references were coming from and whatnot so like there are levels to enjoyment um i'm not we're not promising that you will find it as funny as we do yeah but god yeah. damn it they give it put a shot the work in they put the work in so you should give it a shot I'll and it's it. a warning also it is a very adult show so please do not show <laughs> your sh- children this show yeah Just something it's animated don't some, do that yeah. <laughs> something that is animated that you should show your children is disney animation's newest film encanto which we finally got around to seeing on disney plus um it is directed by jared bush and brian howard um and 
the biggest part for me um, that attracted me to watch this film, um, the music all done by Lin-Manuel Miranda, or the yeah. songs done by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I think the um, score was made by someone else. but The score was, I have the name in front of me, uh, Jeremine Franco did the ah. um, the music for this. You see, Ruben, this is why we keep you around. You know. I know, <laughs> I can drop this stuff. But talking about Encanto, um, now, was it as good as Coco from Pixar four years ago? No. No, it was not. But you can feel the love and the passion behind the project. You, I still felt the Latino voice in there. I don't mm. know um, who they consulted with. I don't know if that came from Lynn or from other Latinos they consulted with um, when they were making this. Um, and I also like how it tackles family dynamics. Because Latino families, man, they can be complex and layered. Um, living up to the expectations of family um, is a big part of what Latin kids go through. Yeah. Um, trying to Espe live up to what your family expects of you. Especially immigrant kids. First immigrant kids as well. Kids. Yeah. Like, I related very much yeah. to um, what's what's uh, the main... Mirabel. Mi Mirabel, thank you. Uh, I was going to say Madriga, but yeah, Mi Mirabel Madriga, she was very... A very relatable character in that sense. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't had, thankfully, our parents are great and they don't put that much pressure on us um, no, to do something we do specific. That, we do that all on our own. We, yeah, <laughs> we, we do that on our own. We, do that on our own. Honestly, yeah. we um, force that stress on ourselves. This is why we're all broken people. But it's, anyway. like, it's, it's a complete, the movie's a metaphor if you look at it because Mirabelle is this character who doesn't have gifts. The rest of the family has gifts. So she doesn't fit in. So she's not ex as ex like accepted as everyone else. Um, it's just a big metaphor for someone who doesn't live up to their family's expectations, which can happen a lot in uh, in a culture where expectations are heightened because yeah. you're expected to break through um, into the opportunity America provides yeah. when you immigrate over here. Um, yeah, but even they can bring something like to the family, like people who break off from the mold of a like a family. Like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the main. That's, that's the, the main, lesson. Yeah, that's the lesson from the from the movie is that like yeah. people, yeah, they have different perspectives, and sometimes like someone who breaks the mold of what their family does can bring a new perspective to that family, and then they grow. They all grow together. Honestly, that's yeah. yeah. I, uh, on the part that Room was talking about consultation, I know that a lot of the voice actors either had yes. a Colombian background or, uh, like, like directly, like, oh, my mom was from Colombia or my dad was from Colombia, or they were literally artists who were made yes. popular in Colombia. I know mm. that Abuela was played by a Colombian actress. Um, um, Maria Cecilia Botero. Yes, and her voice, her singing voice, was uh, done by uh, what's her name, Olga, uh, Olga something from Miradis, 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 Olga Miradis from In the Heights. Uh, she did. Uh, oh shoot! Uh, yeah. No wonder I, I recognize the singing voice. Yeah, the singing voice sounded very familiar. But like, she's one of them. I know that's uh, Stephanie Beatrice, uh, voice of Mirabel. You might know her from Brooklyn Nine. Brooklyn Nine. I think either her mm. mom or dad is from Colombia. Um, but yeah, you have all these actors who have like a Latino, at least Latino background yeah. coming together. Lynn, when he was writing for this, uh, I shout out to Lynn Manuel Miranda. Yes. He has he has tropes and he has like kind of like his own like signature style. Oh yeah. But in interviews that I've seen with him, he has made like an honest attempt to kind of take Colombia's 
of Colombia's music and Colombia's rhythms and Colombia's beats and incorporating them into his already established style. And you can see that in, um, especially I think the opening, the opening number, yeah. um, which is, yeah, wel uh, Welcome to Family, My Legal. Um, I know that he talked a little bit about it for Isabella's number. There was yeah. a mix of kind of like new age Colombian rock with old tradition to kind of show how she was pushing forward from like what the family expected of her. Um, so like, just amazing work with the music. I have been listening to the songs of this movie on repeat <laughs> for the last few weeks. I literally... As, I, as I, most of the world has. Yes. Uh, especially yeah. we don't talk about Bruno. Yeah. No, no, no. No, no we, don't, <laughs> we don't talk about that. Man. No, uh, but Lynn actually has a story credit for this movie. And I heard in a different interview that he took the Howard Ashman, uh, Alan Menken approach um, and was in the writer's room when coming up with the music so the songs would be incorporated into the plot and i think that ended up working really well um for me the music honestly is what makes this um the, the yes. songs make this yeah. movie i don't know i, I feel like without the songs mm -hmm. by lynn in this movie i i feel like something would have been missing the core of the movie wouldn't have gotten across um Especially the songs towards the end, mm -hmm. um, Dos Orgullitos, I think it's what it's called. Um, Dos Orgullitos, the, which yeah. is apparently what Colombians call butterflies in Spanish. Down in Panama, we say mariposas, all right? Yes, we do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm highly recommended from us, um, as we said, especially if you're an immigrant kid. I, I feel like you're going to get a lot from this movie, and this movie will make you hear like you're make you feel like your voice is heard um, and give you something to mm -hmm. grab onto and feel like, hey, you know, there's a way out of this. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys want to add anything else. Also, I wanted to shout out, uh, yeah, also, obviously, like, this is such a powerful message for immigrant kids because, uh, like, Disney basically just called all of us the hell out because it's like we have all these expectations when you're given a miracle like like the Madrigal yes. when you're given a miracle such as being given a new opportunity at life there's so much pressure to yes. not waste that miracle and like you have to do it this way this way there's a way to do it but no there's a way to do it where you can still be yourself and still take advantage of that miracle but in a different way i love that another mm -hmm. thing i wanted to point out uh on top of the music for me what really made this movie was also the animation i know oh my god gorgeous. i know that at this point Saying that a Disney animated movie has good animation <laughs> is like it's just a gimme. It's like watching it's like watching a Tom Hanks movie and being like, he kind of knocked it out of the park. I don't know. It's like yeah, okay, duh. But like I love how we're juggling so many characters here, and even though a lot of them don't have like a lot of speaking parts or a lot of like uh, even that much screen time, like. Yeah. Just, there are so many, like, little quirks that they add into the animation. Like, Dolores, for example, whenever there's a loud noise around her because she can hear everything, you can literally, you can see her covering her ears. Like, it's so cool how they <laughs> add these little ticks for each of these characters. And, like, that's yeah. why... Or Camilo's always doing something insane uh, shape-shifting in the background if you're looking throughout <laughs> the movie. Yeah, which is why people have fallen in love with these characters, even though like some of them were only on screen for just a little bit. It's just like, oh, people are simping online for Camilo for some reason. And they it's like, are. Like, you know, it's it's like, wild. Bro, bro y'all gotta chill. He was the shape-shifting one. 
Um, other standout I want to mention real quick, uh, John Leguizamo as Bruno also had a bit part in here, but he shows off, like, the fact that he's been a voice actor for, like, 20 years at this point, if you really think about it, because he did sit in the Ice Age movies. Mm -hmm. yeah. He was really good in this. I think oh, he yeah. was one of the best performances I, in the little I, bit I he had. I always forget that John Leguizamo is, like, a pretty good actor. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I just don't see him enough in stuff. Every time he shows up, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's good. He should he be in more well. stuff, does, I think. He does well. I've even seen, like, some of his comedy specials. Like, this is, I know this is, like... Oh, he's, yeah, he's hilarious. He's, he's hilarious. Yeah. He's, like, yeah, he's a funny guy. Um, so... This movie, to give it a quick score before moving on, um, 8 out of 10 for me, um, you guys. Unless you guys want, you guys can add anything else you want before um, giving a final score. But. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I'm just going to give my score because I don't have much to add now. But uh, yeah, I'd say I'd give it the same score that you gave, 8 out of 10. Same here, yeah. 8 out of 10. I want to also add, uh, I, I will probably talk about some of these movies later on, but last year was a massive year for Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm -hmm. Not only was there Encanto, there's also Vivo and well, okay, Vivo. I might not have liked the story as much, but the music is still very oh, good. Music's you, balling. You also had In the Heights uh, getting adapted, and you had Tick Tick Boom, which he directed. Which directorial showed, debut. I need man, to add. This man like, has range. That movie was so well directed. We we, we got it. We are doing a full movie. episode on Tick Tick Boom um, yes. in the future for sure. Yes. So good. Also, uh, Disney, do Panama next, please. Anyway, this is a call to anyone. <laughs> please. Put, put Panama in a movie and have it be Panama James Gunn, all right? All right. So, yeah, James Gunn <laughs> did put Panama in a movie. A great movie. My second favorite movie of the year. Yeah. And then James Gunn proceeded to write a spinoff to that movie in quarantine <laughs> on one of the most hated characters of that film, uh, Peacemaker, um, played by John Cena. Um which the first four episodes have come out. Yeah. It's on HBO Max. And so far, in my opinion, it's a good it book. is quintessential James Gunn. If yeah. you are a fan of anything James Gunn has done, <laughs> Guardians or the Suicide Squad film from last year, you or need to Slither, watch. Or Super, yeah. anything. Watch this. James Gunn has become one of my favorite filmmakers in general at this point. The ability he has to grab something that's obscure or not even well-known at all and turn it into something that you grab onto emotionally through laughter, through tears. Like, he has it all. He's, like, the complete package as a writer. Like, he, yeah. he can pull off any type of emotional moment you need in seamless yeah. fashion. Mm -hmm. And the other factor I love about his writing, it's really realistic. Like, the conversations these characters are having between themselves um, – John Economos um, talking to Harcourt, that banter they have back and forth. They I mean, have that's such the... weird names. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. it's because they're digging. Like I said, D James Gunn grabs the bottom of the barrel characters <laughs> and just turns them into they're flawed individuals. Like Peacemaker's a very flawed individual, but you can tell, you can understand oh, where he's coming. Yeah, you can understand <laughs> where he's coming from though, because James Gunn has masterfully. Um, built a character yeah, him that a, has gone through a yeah, lot of shit. Yeah. You know, he's he's like masterfully giving him a childhood, like a like a past, like like, you know like a I mean? background that explains why he yeah. why he's doing what he's doing um, presently and what in his past caused him to uh -huh. reach the point that he's at through the character of his father, uh, played by Robert Patrick, the T-1000. <laughs> Crazy. I, I called that out on the third episode because I saw the name Robert Patrick and I hadn't, I was like, wait a minute. 
that's a T-1000. And then I'm like, I knew that dad, the dad looked old as shit. So Robert Patrick has obviously aged since 1980s somehow, um, <laughs> which I didn't catch right away. <laughs> but he's it great. Happens. It happens. Yeah, it does happen. <laughs> I really do think he's a racist piece of shit. It's crazy. What an actor. <laughs> what an actor. <laughs> the way the show has tackled the complex topic of white supremacy is also... They have tightroped yes, yes. Uh, it really well. Like, they are portraying these characters in the most despicable way. There's no redeeming uh, factors to his father at all. But you still understand why Peacemaker loves his father, because he is his father, even though his father treated him like shit. You understand that. Like, you understand yeah. the emotion of a son trying to please a father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, your guys' thoughts on the show. I've talked a lot about it already. Well, like, but... if you haven't watched the show, I feel like just watch the beginning of episode four and then up to the end of the opening credits, and you know the tone. That is because like, them in the, in the truck, like, that, the you know, uh, vigilante and uh, the conversation that um they have, like, uh, the after they... Show? Yeah, the pinky toe, right? Yeah, yeah, after, yeah, the pinky toe, no, like, yeah, they had a conversation about the pinky toe, like the the fourth episode, and then in, uh, them in the truck with the kid or whatever, like the small guy, oh, uh, judo, 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 judo right? Uh, kid. Kid. I'm that sorry, he like... just looks like a kid. I'm sorry, I keep on telling Ruben that he looks like a kid. <laughs> he looks man. like a, he does look like a child. That man yeah, is I... small. <laughs> but anyway, like that to the the opening credits were like they, you know. Uh, I think we all agree here that like we love the opening credit uh, with um, John oh. Cena just like dancing with the rest of the cast. Quintessential, Quintessential gun, gun, man. But it, that 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 is just a perfect, um, just just a perfect representation of what the show, the whole show is like. The tone for the whole show, it's just it's great, yeah. you know. I've got it. I've got to be completely honest. At the beginning, I was not. I was not really with it because mm -hmm. I mean, personally, spoilers for the Suicide Squad, real quick. But like. It is made to look, and it's very obvious that the original intent was for Peacemaker's character to die, to die at yes. the end of that movie. Correct. Like, and like a whole building falls on him. He's shot in the throat. Like he should be done. So yes. Right? So I was not. I was not with it because I'm like I feel like this character would have been a lot better if we just would have stopped it right there. I'm still kind of in that camp, but. What after like the first four episodes, like by the end of the fourth, I'm like, okay, I feel like I can keep watching this. I think that it's the, the, the hard thing with gun when it comes to some like a long form thing, like a TV show is that like Ruben said, gun has a very good way of balancing the funny with the heartfelt. Yes. The first three episodes are really mostly just kind of like the funny part of it though. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, it sometimes it can get like, a bit much like yes the dialogue is realistic but sometimes it really does feel like it's trying a little too hard to be funny which is a symptom of guns sometimes especially in kind of like sequels i'd say that there are kind of moments in guardians too even i know ruben's gonna lamp ask me for this i am well, yeah no no, no, no <laughs> but there are moments in guardians too where you're like okay 
okay, he's trying just a little too hard. We could have pulled back on the jokes there. Like, uh, the entire kind of, like, through line of, like, Drax's nipples, like, throughout the thing. <laughs> Drop that. But, like, here's the thing. By the time you get to the fourth, the heartfelt starts to show up. You start to see what he's trying to do with this character. And I was like, okay, maybe it was worth keeping him alive. I can, I can, I can vibe with this. I feel like they're finally... I feel like they can do something really interesting with the character. Um... And if they don't end up doing something interesting with the character, I'll always still have Suicide Squad. So, I mean... Exactly. Yeah. Like, a new, like, sequel doesn't ruin what came before. Yeah. You can yeah. always just ignore the sequel. Like, that's what people yeah. don't realize. Like, for example, um, a really obscure example, because it's my guilty pleasure movie, uh, Paul Blart Malkoff <laughs> had a sequel... <laughs> That is t- awful. <laughs> God awful. Wait, Paul Martin Rock kind of, they had a sequel? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, see, exactly. That's what you do. No. You just you just ignore it. Yeah. But it's a very bad example because the Suicide Squad is this was the second best movie last year for me just because of how well James Gunn was able to juggle everything. You had me almost crying over rats attacking a giant starfish. <laughs> Besides James Gunn can write that. I don't think any other filmmaker could pull that off. No, no. <laughs> Except for maybe Taika Waititi, who was also in that movie. Yes, he did. Yes, he I was. Think, I think Taika and James are kind of a part of a, a very similar kind of ilk where it's like, they can, like, I, I think Taika has maybe captured it to the point, he's captured it to the point where he can even, like, deal with real-life tragedies and, like, add kind of, like, uh, like a spin to it with Jojo well, Rabbit, for example. I, like, I, I'll, I'll push back. I think the Suicide Squad did that too. The Suicide Squad tackled the U.S.'s foreign policy. If you really think about it, yeah. the true. entire twist with Starro, uh, with the thinker delivering that epic exposition, um, is about the U.S. trying to cover mm-hmm. up something shitty they did in a foreign uh, nation. Yeah. And That's then Amanda true. Waller tries to have him like leave after causing like the incident to escalate. Like, how is that not a medical like, or the military yeah. industrial? And I, I would like to say that that was the whole reason why he didn't name like the country after a re- real country. That might be part yeah. of the reason. Yeah, it's because they're covering up like the whole reason. Oh yeah, it would have been controversial. Yeah. Like, yeah. Would, oh ever, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any yeah. country that they pick. Yeah. So. Especially with Panama, because I, I don't know if you. I don't know. Oh if shit! Exactly. Had. Y'all, y'all don't know about this. Y'all do not know about yeah, this involvement yeah. in Panama. You maybe think maybe the extent of it is the canal. Nah. No. Look the up. Invasion, ni- yeah. I, won't, I won't get into it here. Look up 1989 uh, Operation Just Cause. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, just yeah. look it up. Yeah. Look it up. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Before we wrap up the Peacemaker discussion, one more character I want to talk about and deserves like his own little section Vigilante. here. Vigilante. Vigilante played <laughs> yeah. by Freddy Stroma. When you walk into this show, you expect Vigilante just to be the annoying sidekick that's going to pop in every once in a while and have a have one lighter. But what they have done is in the vein of like Kick-Ass, which I haven't seen beginning That's to end. exactly what I thought too, yeah. Keep um, it's, it's this guy, normal guy, who dresses up 
so he can play on his psychotic fantasies and it works <laughs> yeah, yeah. to perfection yeah. um and you can tell the the best part of it as well like i said with james gunn this character is hilarious but you can tell there's a lot of emotional baggage with this character especially in episode four when he's in the car with peacemaker talking about his past and his family um with him um you yeah. really can tell that the character has a lot going on to the point that this spinoff has enough for another spinoff. I think Vigilante could carry <laughs> carry his own episode or show. Honestly, I think, episode, I think episode. I don't know about whole last show. I think he could, <laughs> he could do a episode. show. I think he could do a show. Man. I I want to go off of what Ruben was saying though. There about Vigilante. My thought exactly was I wrote in my notes. Vigilante is growing on me. Seems like someone ripped out of Kick Ass. Yes, like he really does feel like. <laughs> The type of person where it's like, this man, not a superhero at all. This man probably reads some comics here and there. It was like, you know what? <laughs> Just, justice. I'm going to dress up and literally murder people. Or, <laughs> you know, he's in a world of superheroes, maybe almost like Tom Holland Spider-Man, but to a darker degree, he got, he got inspired to be a hero by all the other heroes that he sees in the world around him. Mm-hmm. Maybe, he, Or maybe he saw Zack Snyder's Batman. He's like, you know what? He's right. Let's go out and kill some motherfuckers. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I can look up to this man. <laughs> um, yeah, but Peacemaker, if you haven't jumped on, uh, there are still four episodes left, but the first four are out now. Um, we will give a rating for the entire show when we're done with it. Yeah. Um, but catch up. It's a it's worthwhile watch. James Gunn, as I said, once again, knocked it right out of the park. Another little shout-out I want to give to James Gunn before the end of our Peacemaker discussion here, before we wrap up the podcast all together, yeah. is uh, I, I want to really praise James Gunn's use of popular music. Um, mm-hmm. in the film. Yeah. I still think that if we're talking gold standard, you might want to go Edgar Wright's Baby Driver, specifically Baby Driver. But what James Gunn does with popular music I think it's it, it's you can appreciate it especially like after watching the 2016 Suicide Squad. Mm. There is James Gunn isn't just going for sound or rhythm or beat, which is obvious. Yeah, he is like what he's the the music he's choosing goes with the scene, but it's not just like sonically, like lyrically, and like what the song is saying is also like tied in with what's happening on screen and on top of that the songs he picks go with like the the characters in the situation when you have a guardians you have a lot of this older music right guardians of the galaxy you have things from like the 80s and the 90s and this with the zune at the end kind of introduces like a newer wave of music but with peacemaker we have a lot of this kind of like uh, the, the music that we're hearing is kind of like this american rock metal bands like you have a lot of these kind of like people who are probably like spinoffs of like what country music was at the start. And you had like this subdivision, you have things like kid rock, you know what I mean? Where it's like country yeah. rock. That's like the soundtrack for this show. It's a lot of kind of like that American hoe, like rock and metal, which is yeah. very different from anything else that you, so James isn't just going off of like, okay, does this song sound good? It's also, does the song fit the characters? Does it fit the scene? Does it fit the rhythm? There was oh, yeah. a lot of thought going into that, and I have to yeah. praise him for that. The because... soundtrack for Peacemaker would not work in a Guardians film because mm-hmm. no. it's completely different characters, and James Gunn gets that. And as you yeah. were saying, yeah, picks the songs. 
yeah. that really work for those characters. Which is something so rare because, like I said, 2016 Suicide Squad. You see a lot of, or like Cruella, for example. Oh people my God. Picking, people <laughs> picking popular music that sounds cool, all right, and maybe works with the scene. Yeah. But like, what is the deeper connection? There like, is. You there have is to be thinking deeper of deeper connections yeah. like this, like Edgar Wright, like James Gunn, people who like really put thought into like yeah. this every little choice that they make about I mean, James Gunn writes the songs into the script yeah like for yeah. the yeah. Guardians movies like he's like probably listening to the music and then writing the script at the same time it is yeah. a unique process mm-hmm. that I don't think any other filmmaker is doing right yeah. now yeah, I think I, I, this man like this man thinks in songs I, yes, I literally think he yeah yeah he does because like they, every time he's he uses music in like film or and like even in this show it's just like it, it like what you're saying it blends in so well and not only that but like he almost gives it gives that song like a a revitalization like people start listening to the music again you know what i'm saying like because you'll yeah. picture the scene when listening yeah. to the song when the guardians uh sound mixtape or this mix awesome uh, mix awesome, awesome mix, mix came yeah. out like People were listening to all those songs that came out years ago, like on repeat. So it's like it's insane what he can do with like a pop culture music. Before that, the only time I had heard Blue Swedes hook on hooked on a feeling was in the featurette from the Shrek 2 DVD. You know the uh, the American <laughs> Idol one because yeah. Captain Hook sang a little bit of it. Now everyone knows that. Everyone song, knows that is what song. I'm saying. It's like that thing was kind of obscure to like the newer generation. Fair, okay? I don't know if we have older listeners. We probably don't, but Mr. Oh, y'all don't know about this, all right? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> newer I generation mean, is getting introduced to some classics. <laughs> and hopefully more classics to come. We got four more episodes of this show, and then he has Guardians 3 next year. We are getting a lot more James Gunn, and I, for one, and happy about it. I am happy about it. Um, oh yeah! Excited. One last time to mention the opening sequence of this show. <laughs> do you want to taste it? Even if you don't watch any other episode of this show, look it up on yes, YouTube. Yeah. It is one of the best <laughs> openings of a TV show I think I've ever seen. I it's, died laughing the first hilarious. time I saw it. It's hilarious. Yeah. I'm still hoping to see him uh, to see him talk to the talk to the helmet. Have you heard about that in the comics? Or like, does Peacemaker gotta... talk to his helmet? Yeah, no, because it's kind of he thinks that it traps the souls of some of the people that he that he's killed. It depends. I, on I don't know if it'll. I don't. The only way I could see him doing it is he gets high and he starts doing it. Yeah, I don't think they built up to it. There you go. Do yeah. that. They could. That would have been hilarious in the movie if they did that in the movie because it would have been like a jab at like the katana line too. Like the, <laughs> the <souls laughs> he's like drunk and talking to this thing, and they're just like, oh shit. All right, <laughs> peacemaker. Endorsement from all three members of Cube, so watch it. Yeah. Yes. Um, one last thing to wrap up the show on a comedic note. I saw this story right before we started the show, and I, I briefly, for like a minute or two, want to mention it. Okay. Um, so a new lawsuit was presented, a Clash Ashkin lawsuit. Um, hilarious. Let me just read it. Uh, two fans filed a federal class action lawsuit alleging that they were duped into renting the film yesterday, uh, which is... Uh, the film where everyone <laughs> forgets the Beatles exists except for mm-hmm. one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, because Ana de Armas uh, was apparently in the trailer, but not in the final movie. They both paid $3.99 for the movie and are asking to recoup at least $5 million on behalf of everyone who was affected. So they're hoping more people jump onto this lawsuit. <laughs> now, 
Yesterday was a disappointing movie in the sense that they just did a run-of-the-mill rom-com with an amazing premise, but I would not sue uh, oh. Universal for this movie. Oh my god. I would. <laughs> I would. I would. We could do a whole episode on yesterday, or at least like a half an episode. I hated that movie. You have such an interesting way to investigate the zeitgeist that was the Beatles, and you decide to make a shitty rom-com. <laughs> So, you know the funniest part of that movie is I remember this is the line that sticks out to me the most because mm-hmm. it was like it was like the main character and Ed Sheeran don't effing ask they have like a, a songwriting <laughs> competition and Ed Sheeran has a moment at the end when he loses he's like you know he was like I, I knew there would be someone who would surpass me someday I'm like bro so many people have shut the hell up Ed Sheeran damn damn no, I, no, I think Ed, she- Ed, Ed, Ed Sheeran ain't that Ed bad. Sheeran. He's more he'll he'll be he's probably more successful in the music industry than I will ever be in all of my yeah, life. But I yeah. do not care. I do not care. <laughs> shape of shape of you looking motherfucker. <laughs> oh that's all okay. Ed Sheeran, I don't think Ed Sheeran's that bad, man. It's not a whole Personally. Like Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But who okay, going back to the class action lawsuit, who gets out for who who loses four dollars on a bad movie? And then decides to pay a lawyer hundreds of dollars for a frivolous lawsuit that will probably get laughed out of court. That person has other problems. That couple has other issues. You you want to know what the problem is? Is that people want a very quick way of making money, you know? So it's like, whatever. If I can complain and make money, hell, I'll call that a day. They do. That's why they have to put caution hot on the McDonald's mugs because people sued about that. If you're, hey, it's America, man. If you can sue about something, people will sue about something, you know? Yeah. Um, that, yeah, what were you going to say? Oh, no, no, no. I was about to make a jab at an organization, but they're very, very common. They're very likely to sue just anyone who talks smack about them. So Peter? perhaps I should not mention them. No, not PETA. <laughs> PETA's <laughs> a nonprofit. They're not going to throw oh, a frivolous okay. lawsuit at yeah. This podcast and its it's tens of listeners. Yeah. And with that being said, thank you to everyone listening and reaching the end of the podcast. Yeah. Um, congrats. congrats. Why, are you, why are you still here? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. We, appre- we appreciate our listeners. <laughs> no, we do. We I do. don't. I, I, on, <laughs> no, seriously, we do. We do appreciate Thank you to all of my college friends that actually listen to this. You probably don't listen until the end. But you know what? Here, here's the thing. If you are listening till the end, I will throw a walk up. Throw, to throw a promotion day. code I at will, the very end. I will throw a promotion code one of these days. All right. Be ready we should, for. No, it. no. We should start. We should uh, start like throwing promotion codes like in the middle of the podcast, like or just like random spots, so that people have to listen. Man, we all have sponsors, though. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> all right, all guys. Right. Big baller brand. Big baller brand. If you're listening. We would like a sponsorship. Yeah, come right. on, come on, Lavar. Come on, come th- on. the three, the three Bs, Bull Brothers. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> One of them has to. Lonzo, Lonzo, and Lonzo. <laughs> come on. <laughs> hey, you know, Lonzo's a good basketball player now, JQ. I I do know. His I younger know. brother is better than him. 
That's all I'm saying. Lamelo. Lamelo is better. I don't know if Lamelo is better. He's gonna be better. He, he might be. In the long run, I think Lacroix Ball will be the best. <laughs> Who the hell is Lacroix Ball? Did exactly. you just make up a name? I think. I, uh, I just Ruben Lacroix is a drink. You freaking. <laughs> I know. It no, like Bar Ball's crazy <laughs> enough to name his kid Lacroix though, isn't Any, he? Anything with an L. All right, guys. Until next time. Okay. Loquacious. Um. Hasta, stop. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. As we leave you with Jonathan listing out more L names. <laughs> Little Dicky. Chris. Little Dicky. Uh, lumberjack. Um, 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 Lion King. Uh, uh. I didn't say. I, I didn't say names of people. I, I said. I said names. Lemur. Lemur. King Julian. All right. Leopard. Llama. Uh, Loquacious, I already said that one. You did. You start fading out at this point. You can cut me off.